We're in Philippians chapter 4. We will be finishing the book today, Philippians 4, 10 through 23. 10 through 23, doing the rest of the book. Finally finish it. I think we've been three months plus in this book. Only four chapters, but so much in there, so rich. Let's begin by the reading, uh, verses 10 through 23. Philippians 4, 10 through 23, starting at verse 10. Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that whatever state I'm in, to be content. Wow. I know how to abase, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound, to have much, and and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. And all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now I find something very interesting there. At the end of this letter, he says to greet one another, which we should do. But he makes this comment that all of those who are in, especially those who are in Caesar's household, they greet you. That's crazy. Remember, Paul's in prison when he writes this letter. He's chained to the Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard were part of Caesar's family. They lived in the royal palace or around it. They guarded Caesar. They were family members. And Paul being chained to these guys, he's not chained. They're chained to him. And he's given the gospel out, and they're getting saved, and then they're going back to their houses and leading their families to God. And now he says, hey, Those that are in Caesar's household, they salute you. They greet you. That's great stuff. Remember in the beginning of the letter, Paul had to encourage the Philippians. He says, listen, I know I'm in jail, but this has gone to the furthering of the gospel. He was rejoicing. And so he tells him these things. And so when we have situations that happen in our life that are uncomfortable, look for what God's trying to do in that situation. Here he's going to talk about giving. I entitled the message, Give with the Right Heart. Now, if you're visiting today, you're going, oh, great, it's one of those churches going to talk about my wallet. No, we're not. It's not about like that. It's like, listen, I've seen so much abuse over the years from churches begging money. It's an offense. But if you're here today visiting, you need to understand that here at Calvary, we go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, 
And, you know, we have just happened to come to this portion of Scripture at this time, and God brought you here for such a time as this. Now, with all the abuse that we see going on in the church today of begging for money, I hate that. I hate that begging. Here, we see something that shows us the proper way to give and how to go about it. Because we're going to find Paul is going to say, listen, thank you for your gift. I didn't ask for it. I didn't come bringing the gospel to get anything from you. I didn't ask money from you. I didn't beg money from you. You saw a need. You took it and you gave. And boy, I'm so stoked that God's going to put it to your account. So there is a right way to give with a right heart. But we've seen so much abuse over the over the time of me just being a Christian on, on Christian TV. I see some of these guys begging for money. And that's an offense. I hate that. We have never begged you for money. I'd rather close these doors than beg you for money. I don't think there's a problem with making known a need, you know, like we did with Ukraine and Philippines and India, saying, listen, they, they, they need help. That God puts it on your heart. There's nothing wrong with that. But to beg, I mean, when I see these People on TV who are, you know, they're having the, the call-a-thons call in and donate and they show all these guys with phones and they're like got the thermometer and they're begging for money. That's an offense to God. When I see guys who are like saying, you know, they're playing off of our flesh and our, our desires. They're, they're saying, hey, give your 50 bucks and you're going to receive the hundredfold blessing. Now you got people who don't have 50 bucks to give, giving 50 bucks because they're hoping and praying that they're going to get 5,000 back. So they're, they're actually doing it not because it's the right thing to do. They're doing it because of their flesh. They're expecting a big return. And these guys will say, hey, send your 50 bucks in. You'll receive the hundredfold blessing or this ministry is going to go off the air. I'm like, let it go off the air because where God guides, God provides. And if God doesn't supply the funds for here, I'll close the doors and go somewhere where he wants to use me. It's all his deal, but I've never begged for money. And when I see these guys begging, it just it blows me away. They act like God's bankrupt. If you don't give, we're going off the air. If you don't give, God is not bankrupt. Everything is his. It's like crazy when they do stuff like, you know, these guys, I think, well, if you really believe in the hundredfold blessing, why don't you send us all 50 bucks? And sit back and wait for your big, you know. It's like the guys I see, see people selling like the anointed oil and they're selling it and they're selling the, 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 the holy spiritual handkerchiefs. And, and then there was the guy in Texas that was selling the miracle wallets. He had a box of miracle wallets for 10 bucks. I'm thinking to myself, why does he need my 10 bucks if he's got miracle wallets that never go empty? Do people think these things through? And then when they're, they're, they're like selling oil, they, oh, you know, this guy's like, I remember someone in the church sent me an email, this guy had sent to them, that I, I mixed this oil with my own hands, and I did this, and I stirred it, and I prayed over it, and I cried over it, and if you buy this oil, you'll pray for people, and they'll be healed. And I'm thinking to myself, really? You know what the Bible says about giving? It says, freely you've been given, freely give. I don't want to make merchandise of God's people, and those people will be held accountable one day. And it's people like that that make an offense to the church because, you know, two of the biggest reasons I hear why people who are Christians and non-Christians 
why they don't go to church is, number one reason, the church is always begging for money. Well, I, I, I understand that, but not all churches are. But I understand how that could be an offense, because if you're in a church like that that's always begging for money and you're visiting, you need to get out of that church. If you're listening on the radio and you're, you're in a church that's always begging for money, get out of that church. Because God doesn't need a pastor to stand up here and act like he's going, that God's going bankrupt. God moves in the hearts of the people. It's got to be your heart. You've got to have the right heart to give. And if you don't have the right heart and you feel like you're giving, you are like got a grudge about it, keep it. God doesn't want it. God will find somebody else to use. God wants us to give with the right heart. The other thing I hear why people don't go to church is because there's too many hypocrites. I'm like, you're right, we're all hypocrites. But if you find a church that doesn't have hypocrites, don't join it, you'll ruin it. Listen, we're a work in progress. Every one of us is a work in progress. And thank God you're here because that means that you want to grow. When I hear people say, oh, you know, you got so-and-so in the church, and boy, do you know what they're doing? I go, yeah, but they're doing so much better than last year. They're growing. What about you? Are you growing? (laughs) God wants us to give with the right heart. We give, we let it go because God's put it on our heart. And what a blessing it is to give. We are to give to those who are in need, especially those in the household of faith. We have an obligation to help each other in the church. That's why we have a food bank. That's why we're there to assist you when you go through rough times. Nobody in this church, in this service or the next service, goes hungry. We've got a food bank. We've got plenty of food. And we're there to help the needy. Why? We're called to give. Why? Because God has given us so much. God so loved the world, he what? gave wow i mean we can just stop right there that's enough reason to give amen and the other thing you got to keep in mind is that we give because he gave it to us to take what we need to give to others and so he wants us to distribute now (coughs) excuse me (coughs) to avoid you getting mad at me today and making you feel like a guilt trip whether you give or not I'm going to say a lot of scriptures from the word of God. So if you get mad today, you got to get mad at God. And just for the record, I don't look at the tithe records. I don't want to know what you give. I don't want to know what you give because I would be super nice to you if you gave a lot. And then I would just kind of be, you know, stink eye to those that don't give. So I don't want to know because I just want to love you guys all equally. Proverbs 14.20 tells us this. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor. But the rich has many friends. But he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Proverbs eleven twenty four, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. God wants a people with a giving heart. And it's important to give something that means something to you. In verse 10 here, he says, Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you, should, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity, Paul reminds them he is so blessed by their giving 
and he knows that there was a time that they wanted to give to his ministry, but they lacked opportunity. They didn't have funds. There was a time where the Philippians church was very poor, and they wanted to support Paul, but they didn't have anything to give him. So what's the best way to support people? Prayer. In prayer. So they prayed, and God provided so they could later uh, support his ministry. But right here he says, you know, I know you wanted to give, but you lacked opportunity. You know, I find that interesting because there's a lot of churches that don't give and have plenty of opportunity. They don't lack anything. And here you got a church that wants to give, but they don't have anything to give when so many churches have so much and don't want to give because they're building an empire. Sad thing to think about. James 1.22 tells us that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So the Bible tells us to give. Okay? Now, we're not like the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was tithes, there was offerings, there was additional givings, there was stuff listed all through Leviticus and other places. Uh, that was a requirement, that was a commandment, it was an ordinance. Uh, we know from the book of Colossians that uh, since Jesus died on the cross, that the commandments and the ordinances and the statutes are done away with. It's about his grace and trusting in him and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and guiding us to give. Now, in the New Testament, it speaks of giving as you are able. What does that mean? Well, you know, a lot of times I tell people a tenth is a great place to start. But you're not limited to a tenth. I mean, if you make $100 million, we don't want a tenth, we want half. <laughs> I mean, if you can't live off $50 million, you're messed up. But, you know, if you're in this, in this church and you've got a family of four and, and you make 24000 a year, you, you can't afford to give. We're going to be helping you and giving to you to help you. But even though you can't give money, you can give of yourself. There's plenty to do around here. You can mow your neighbor's lawn. Or you can wash an elderly's car. You can go shopping for somebody. You can give of your time. You can give according to what you're able to give. And God doesn't limit that. But God wants you to give with a cheerful heart. If you've got an attitude about it, just keep it. Seriously. When the basket's going around, <laughs> I remember once in the church I got saved, we had a uh, it was a Baptist church, and we had a Baptist preacher that was a guest speaker, and he, he was talking about Baptists being so tight that when the money bag goes around and they let go of the dollar, that George Washington goes, <gasps> <laughs> All right, maybe a bunch of Baptists in here didn't really like that. Okay, well, anyway, listen, if you don't feel good about giving, God says, keep it. I'll find someone else. It's okay. But when you give, God it says cheerfully, the word's hilarious. I mean, it's not like go nuts. Woohoo! The bag, you know? But just inside, go, yes, I love what God's doing here at this church. I love how you're working, God. Hey, you're worth it. Is God worth it? Oh, he's so worth it. So worth it. In verse 11, Paul says this. He says, not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned to whatever state I am to be content. Wow, are you content today with where you're at? Paul could say that. Because why? Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was part of the Sanhedrin. Paul was the rising star in Israel. And the Pharisees were super wealthy. He was rich. And Paul, Saul of Tarsus, gave everything away to become Paul the Apostle for Jesus Christ. He gave up all those riches and became poor. 
but he was really rich because he was in Christ Jesus. And so he understands how to have a lot and how to have a little and to be content. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. So maybe you're here today and you got a lot. Well, praise the Lord. Use it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't build your empire, but build the kingdom in heaven. Be part of that. And if you have a little, be content because God has a plan for us. Desires for you are good. And, but we need to learn to be content whether we have a lot or a little. It's so important for us. Otherwise, we get the wrong heart. And Paul here was learning that to rely on Jesus Christ and not his own doing. He was relying on God's power and not his power. In verse 12, he says, I know how to be abased. I know how to have nothing. And I know how to have a lot, to be abound. Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul's saying, when I have a little, I can do it because God's strengthening me. When I have a lot, I can do a lot because God is strengthening me. And whether I have a lot or a little, whether I'm hungry or full, I just thank the Lord for it. I've learned to be content. Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And you know what? I've known Christians in the past that have a lot of money, but when you start to talk about giving, they clam up. And they hoard. And they're not helping the kingdom. And God is looking for someone that can be a conduit, that he can give you and give you and give you because you distribute and distribute, that we take what we need for our family, but the, the abundance afterwards we distribute amongst the people. And, and when God sees someone that he can work through, he gives to them because they keep giving it away. In verse uh, 14, he says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. No church. I find that kind of hard to believe. Only the Philippians saw the importance of Paul's ministry to help, and they helped time and time again, even when he was in Thessalonica. Now, that blows my mind because, you know, first off, I'm thinking of all the churches that he planted. Where were they? Where was where, Corinthians? Those guys were filthy rich. Where, where was their help? What about Thessalonica? What about the region of Galatia? That was the book of Galatians is to a region of churches in the area of Galatia. Where was their help? What about Colossae? What about Rome? He's in prison in Rome. Where's the church in Rome? Where's his home church? Antioch. Where's, where's the church in Jerusalem that Paul helped time and again, taking up offerings to help them out? But only the Philippians were helping. In verse 16, he says, For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. I want to stop right there for a minute because that word necessities there in the Greek, that word means distress, destitute. Paul's saying, you helped me when I was destitute, when I had 
nothing. When I was rock bottom, that's what he was saying. And even at rock bottom, going from riches to rags to serve Christ Jesus, Paul, even at rock bottom, was content because he knew God would take care of him. Do you know that God will take care of you today? And so he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again from my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds in your account. Paul, Paul, you know what he's saying right here? He's saying, listen, I want to make something clear here. And this is why all these some of these TV guys that are begging for money, they need to read Philippians four again. Because Paul says right here, let's just for the record. I didn't ask you for money. I didn't beg you for money. I never came here for money. I came just to give the gospel. I wanted to see you get saved. You saw my need and you took care of me. Some of these TV guys and some of these churches that are begging for money, they need to reread this. Paul says, I'm in this for Jesus. I never once asked you for money. I wasn't begging because God will take care of me. But the fact that you saw my need and you gave with the right heart is awesome. And because you gave cheerfully and with the right heart, by doing that, when you stand before Christ, it'll be well with you and will be counted to you for your faithfulness and will be accounted to your account. (coughs) Excuse me, getting over a cold from three weeks ago. Did you know that you have an account that God keeps? Every time you give, every time you pray, every time you help someone, there's a record. How's that? That's amazing to think about, right? I think about this little church and how this little church God has used to bless worldwide. It's crazy that from your heart of giving to other ministries and mission fields, We have been able to build churches around the world. We've been able to build ministries around the world because of your heart to give, and that will be put to your account. And that's an awesome thing to think about, that this little tiny church has helped places to build their ministry and to build churches, places like Philippines, and not just one spot all over the Philippines. Places like Sri Lanka, places like India, places like Costa Rica, in Israel, in Russia, in Mexico, in Africa, in Germany, here on the North Shore during disasters. We're the church, we're frontline at every disaster to help with giving, giving of appliances and food and clothing and medical need. All you, this is, is from you guys, Operation Christmas Child. How many boxes do you guys give out every year to some poor kid in a third world country somewhere around the world? And then how about your giving it gets the gospel out on CSN International Radio. It goes everywhere. In K-Light, through the Hawaiian Islands. And that's all being put to your account. And God is using this little church to bless others, and he's putting it towards your account. He knows what you've done. He knows your heart. You know what? You're going to get into heaven, and what you're going to find is when you get up to heaven, there's going to be people coming up to you going, hey, hey, thank you so much. And you're like, who are you? I don't even know you. Oh, oh, yeah. I was, I was 
living in Africa, we were totally poor. We're living in a little hut, and there was eight of us and crowded into a tiny hut about 10 by three, and <laughs> you know who knows, right? And, and you gave money, and it fed my family, and the people that brought the food shared the gospel, and we all got saved. And that was your money. It was your money. Your money. And you're going to have a lot of people coming to you in heaven saying thank you. And you're not even going to have a clue. Because why? Because you didn't do it for that. You did it because it was right. You didn't do it to be thanked. You did it because it was right. And you gave glory to God by doing it. Everything we do, God keeps a record of it. Amen? In Mark 12, 41, you can turn there if you like, or I'll just read it to you. It's a famous story, true story, when Jesus is up on the Temple Mount, and uh, he's, he's there when they're giving money. And he has his disciples with him, and he makes a comment about this woman. It's found in uh, 12, what is it, 41. It says, now, when Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how people put money into the treasury, and many which were rich put in much, then one poor widow came and threw in two mites. That's like nothing. That's, I don't even think that's a penny. She threw in two mites. And so he called his disciples to himself, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she, in her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Wow. Is that crazy? In Jerusalem, they had these coffers. It came up like a trumpet, opened up here, you dropped your money in, but you dropped your money in at eye level so everybody could see. And when somebody dropped a lot of money, they blew the trumpet and everybody went, whoa, so holy. She comes by with just two mites and probably no trumpet, no applause. And Jesus sees it because why? He keeps records. And he says, this little, this little lady, she gave more than all together. And then he said, because they gave out of their abundance. And she gave all that she had. And that really convicted me this week. Because I give out of my abundance. And don't look at me like that, so do you. She zeroed out her account. I have never zeroed out my account for Jesus. And God's not telling you to do that. He's not saying if you got a million dollars, you got to give a million dollars. He's not saying if you have 5,000, you got to give 5,000. He's not saying that. He's saying when you give, give with the right heart. That rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do? And, and Jesus talks to him and he says, oh, the commandments, yeah, I've been doing that. And Jesus tells him to go sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me. It wasn't that he was rich, that we have to sell all we have to give to the poor. But for that young ruler, his money was his God. And though we know as Christians that we should not make money our God, many of us, unfortunately, have made money 
our God because we don't want to let go of it. We love Jesus, we're saved, we do give. But we hang on to a lot of stuff. King David, when he went to purchase the land for the temple, he went to the owner of the property and he said, listen, I want to buy this land for the Lord. And, and the guy was so freaked out over the event that took place with the angel and all the stuff that was happening to Israel. He just he like freaked out. He said, David, it's yours. Just take it. Take the land. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you animals and vessels. and I'm going to give you everything you need to just honor the Lord. And David says, stop right there. He says, you're not giving it to me for free. Here's what David said. I'm not giving anything to God that didn't cost me something. I heard it once said, that if you give what you do not need, you didn't give it all. Sometimes people want to donate things to the church. They go, we got this great couch. It might be good for your youth. No, it's a piece of garbage, and you didn't want to take it to the dump, so you're giving it to us. That's happened time and time again. What are we doing with what God gives us? What are you doing with what God gives you? And you may be someone here today, you say, well, God's not blessing me. He's not giving me anything. I'm struggling. Well, maybe he's not giving it to you because he can't bless through you. Did you ever think of that? Because many of us can be like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea's dead. You go to Israel, they got this great sea, it's called the Sea of Galilee. And the water from the Jordan flows into it, and the water from Mount Hermon, the melting ice, fresh, just refreshing water comes into the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is alive. And then the water goes out of the southern part of the Sea of Galilee, and it comes down to the Dead Sea. But the Dead Sea has no outlet. It's the lowest spot on the earth for elevation. It's below sea level. It can't go up. So it doesn't have any outlet. So living water comes in and dies. It's dead. It's receiving and receiving and swelling and swelling. But it's dead because it doesn't release. Christian life is catch and release. Christian life is to receive what God has for you and then release the rest of it to others to help others. It's catch and release. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of the Dead Sea. You're like, you're like collecting all God's blessings. You come here every week. You receive the word after word of word, but you don't give the word out. You don't, you don't release. And, 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 and you're dead. Does that describe you? Living water dies if it doesn't have an outlet. And if you're here today and you say, the Lord, Lord, I want you to bless me. He might say to you, well, why should I? You're a dead sea. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. 
as each one of us has received a gift, minister to one another and good stewards and as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does that mean? It means God gave it to you to give to others and you will have to give an account for your giving. Proverbs 3.9 says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God's not saying give so you can get rich. You've got it wrong. He's saying give to God's economy. That's putting God first. And the fruit of that will be a godly life that's seen by all. You will be a godly example because you're giving with the right heart. God knows our hearts. Do you give to be seen by others? To hear the trumpet blow? Or do you give with the right heart? Or maybe you give with the right heart, but you're hoping someone will see? Or find out? I found out you gave all this money. Oh, I praise the Lord. And some people don't give because they're like, well, I, I don't feel good about it. I've got kind of a grudging heart, and I know God wants a cheerful giver, and I'm kind of a grudger. That's why I don't give, because my heart's not right. You know what? Let me stop you right there. If that's you, I've been there more than once. This is what I do. Lord, I know only you know my heart. And... Um, I want to give, and I know it's the right thing to do. But I don't know if my heart's right. But I'm, I'm going to default right here and give because it's the right thing to do, and then you can figure out whether my heart's right or not. We're to build our treasures in heaven. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. In Luke 12, speaks of a man who has so much and is just building his own little empire, and, and God calls him a fool. And he says, and so is he who lays up treasures for himself because he's not rich towards God. The only money we're going to see in heaven is what we gave. God doesn't need this from us. We need this. God doesn't need your giving. You need to give for your own spiritual growth. And God tests us in our giving. Malachi 3, verse 8, he says, Will a man rob God? Speaking to the children of Israel. Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now this day, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Luke 16.10 He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least, is unjust also in much. Listen, if you're not faithful with a little, why would God give you more? If you're unjust with a little and you do the wrong things with it, why would he give you more? You're going to be unjust with more. Right? Now, let's just, for a minute, stop thinking just money. 
Because when we talk about giving, people just think, oh, it's money. It's always about money. No, it's about your time. It's about getting the gospel out. It's about serving. It's about using the gifts of your spirit, of the spirit. God gives you gifts not for you. Hello, they're for others. Are you using them for the glory of God? In verse 18, he says this. I indeed have all and abound, and I am full, having received from Epaphroditus these things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. The Philippians gave to Paul. He didn't ask for it. They did it because the Lord put it on their heart. And this is what he says happens when you give with the right heart. The result is a sweet-smelling aroma, well-pleasing to God. Verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Is that good stuff or what? Woo. What does it tell us there? It, says that it tells us that God has unlimited resources. It's all his. Hello. Even what he gives you is his. And when you give it back, you gave him back his. And then he rewards you for what he did through you with his stuff. Is that crazy or what? God has unlimited resources, but it is limited only to those who will yield to him and do what he says and realize it's all his. Let me read you some verses from 1 Chronicles 29. You'll like this. The people of Israel are saying to God, for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Amen? Yours is the kingdom. Amen? O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build your house for your holy name is from your hand, and it's all your own. It's all his. He just wants you to be part of this. So let's wrap things up. Turn to John 6.1. Excuse me. John 6, 1. Familiar story. <clears throat> After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, and because they saw his signs, which were performed on those who were diseased, and Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat in his, and with his disciples. Now the, Passover, now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming towards him. He said to Philip, where, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So you got, here's the scene. You got Jesus and his disciples on this mountain. It's a big grassy field. I've been there. It's still grassy today. It's going to say it's got 5,000, but it says 5,000 men. How many women and children were with those men? It just counts 5,000. So we got probably 15,000, 20,000 people 
They're coming not because he's the Messiah. They're coming because he he does miracles. He heals people. He casts out demons. He does great. He feeds people. And so they come and Jesus, I love it. He asks questions that he already knows the answer to. But he wants to engage us in the battle, right? So he looks at Philip and he's like, Philip, where should we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip's like, I don't know. Why are you asking me? I mean, you're, you're the one. And then Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone should have a little. Then one of his disciples, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, said to him, there's a lad over here with five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what's that among many? So see the progression? You got, we got one guy's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And then you've got Andrew going, hey, we got a kid over here with a couple of fish sandwiches, but you know, what's that among many? See, their, their faith is growing. They're, they're grabbing onto it. And Jesus says, make the people sit down. And now there was much grass in that place, and so the men sat down, and a number of about 5,000 men And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had gave thanks, he distributed them to his disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so nothing's lost. What's my point? Jesus is going to do whatever he's going to do, with or without you. The disciples got to carry out and bless people with as much fish and bread as they wanted to eat. Can you imagine what those people were like? Some 15, 20,000 people, they're distributing these baskets. They're never ending. Everybody's having fish sandwiches. They're all stoked. They're eating as much as they want. Can you imagine them just saying, oh, thank you to the disciples. What What a blessing to be able to give and hear people say, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Praise God. Thank you. So what's my point? God will do what he wants to do with or without you. But he desires for you to be part of it. Let me close with this. Wonder if someone donated to this church $100 million. But he said, I'm giving you this $100 million, but it's not for your church. But I want to give it to all the people at your church to give away to the people in the community. And you got to give it all away. Can you imagine how fun that would be? (laughs) Just to go to someone's house and say, hey, auntie, uncle, I want to pay off your mortgage. It's from God. Or somebody, how about somebody you don't like? You buy them a brand new car, park a new Chevy truck, four-wheel right in front of them. Bro, I know we've had some problems, but you know what? God wanted to bless you and pay. Can you imagine what it would be like giving away all this money, how fun that would be? You know why it would be fun? Because it wasn't yours. Because it wasn't yours. Everything you have is his. Take what you need and give the rest away. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us your good, precious love for us.
Your desires are for us are, are good and you desire us to be tools that you can use. But it's all yours and it's all about you. And so, Lord, give us strength to be able to let go and let you bless others through us, that we would be a vessel that you could use to move through. Lord, give us strength because it's not in our nature to give. But you gave us the very best. You gave your life for us that we could have eternal life with you. And so, Lord, we ask for just you to take over our lives. We yield ourselves completely to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.